Hello, this is Mike Fallick recording audio commentary for Tag, the movie, um, alone. This is just director's commentary. Um, let's start here with this initial scene. Um, it was really important to establish that the announcers were robots. Um, that was super, that was super duper important to get out right away. Uh, uh, whether they are robots or not uh, in the movie is never explicitly uh, discussed, but an early concept was that they would be a part of the machinery at the, the, the studio. So um, what they ended up being in the end was not actually fake robots, but that they were, uh, you hear them being confused about their past and their history. Uh, they are, in fact, um, old players that have just, you know, they've been through the ringer and they don't, they don't really remember a lot, but they've been so... Um, prostheticized that they are now both uh, 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 alive and sort of mechanical. Um, the studio, the television program would pay for their um, enhancements, but they would be uh, then a part of the, the, the actual studio, um, which I thought was good. You, you see how they're, you know, we've used, I've used sort of these uh, robotic movements that I find are great from you know, old, minimal animation stuff. Um, not in America, a lot of that minimal stuff. We didn't have a lot of this kind of thing, but a lot of really cheap Japanese anime uses this sort of, this popping of the style, and it's it was minimal. A big part of this was to... <laughs> was to um, only animate when we needed to. Um, this is, in very many ways, a radio show, um, but it's a design thing. One of the one of the smart ways I think I've described it in the past is that it is a, it is video art, um, but it is video art with a plot. A few simple adjustments is it's video art with a plot. Don't turn off the movie. Oh, I guess you've already watched it if you're listening to audio commentary. But um, that's the the point here is that it is. A, I know a lot of people don't like video art, but it is. We make up for scenes like this, which are really just audio humor, pure, pure audio humor, um, with, you know, just enough for you to see. If you're on a big TV, you'll really be able to see the subtle, you know, the idea that their mouths are, are, are this glowing sort of speaker and stuff like that. And, and of course, um, there are story things that we're doing here that are maybe not on the surface. You see them moving the mics around. The mics are fake, obviously. The mics are the same color as their hand, which is not a cheaping out thing. It's, it's that the mics are not... Uh, real, uh, the number forty-two coming up, of course here, um, and uh, so they're they're allowed. They can move their hands around, and um, Topher and Bill, who played them, were so 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 funny. And they did not. They were not told anything about. Uh, uh, I'm certain that one of them will be able to come on here. They were not told anything about their character history. They were not told they were robots. Um, I even contradict them at points to sort of confuse them and let them know, you know, like, like, oh, maybe you got that wrong, maybe you didn't get that wrong, um, and I'm sure we will talk later about the challenge of me being able to direct this scene, because initially all their characters were, were, um, reading, reading, like, filling in plot blanks, teaching you about tag, teaching you about the history of tag, talking about the history of tag, I hated that, I hated that version of them, so it was just more fun to say, you know, to find topics that they could do. And um, even you see in the lip sync, there are, you know, 
one thing that I'll say about this movie is there are no mistakes in this movie. If, you know, we've watched the movie, we've edited the movie. Everything is weighed. You know, uh, what do we need to animate? So what do I need to animate here? His lip and a little bit of the hands to show, you know, to give some action to it. When you really start to maybe need to be pulled into actually paying attention to the screen, which I found not many people actually do need to pay attention to the screen, which is, which is fairly interesting, is that a lot of us watch TV without being able to actually watch it. One of the benefits of this movie is that there's, you know, in total 20 minutes of really, really fascinating animation. But really what it is is uh, uh, what will get us by. And part of that uh, mentality is I'm the only name on it. When I say us, I mean my production team that helps me do, that helps me, you know, have the money for it, that helps me be able to record and, and, and do things like that and be able to distribute it. But when we say animation, there is one hand that touched it, and that's mine. And, and auteur theory is something that I'm not going to get into here because it's incredibly dry, but it is a part of the movie. It is, it is the fact that the only hands on it are mine, that I'm making every choice. So why I bring that up is you'll see that sometimes um, uh, TJ or Todd, I don't remember which it is, but the skinnier one, his mouth will be off. That was part of it, the idea that these mouths were projections. You'll see sometimes it's confusing. Um, uh, Topher is playing the big one and Bill is playing the small one. But uh, as we established really early on with the tag, 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 tag. Um, but it doesn't matter. They're all being run through stuff. That's why the microphones are fake. They're being ran through. What they're sitting on under there what is, a, is, a, is a, a conduit, obviously based off of... Here's another shot. Right? Like, you think I'm messing up by keeping in that thing on the side there. No, what, I, what I'm doing is I'm saying, just let it be, you know? It's there. Can you, can you ignore it? It doesn't matter. Um, could I crop it out? Yeah. I just didn't. The, 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 the point is, is that we are going to keep narrative, but one of the great things that I hear over the years about people liking stop motion in particular is like, oh, I like, you know, I like it having this stop motion you look. Well... Part of this movie is kind of calling people on that in a good way. You know, not calling someone on their shit, which is, I think, how someone would put it. Like, oh, we're calling you on it. More that I'm calling you on, like, hey, there's even more you can see now. Like, his mouth is off. We didn't change that. I didn't care. It, it, it shifted once uh, in the sequence to, to match with it. So, but the point is, is I didn't change it because I, I liked it. So the point of some of these things in this initial scene here is to get you in the vibe of, if we start too exciting here, for example, uh, that opening sequence is, is, is pretty exciting. It's pretty cool to establish that. But if we start too up and elevated, and then the middle of the movie is all you know, the action, is all the, 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 the real hardcore talking, then you won't get into the vibe of the piece. The vibe of the piece is supposed to be an elevated version of a podcast, great radio. Um, Speaking of radio, you'll hear in the voices like it sounds like they're lapped over each other. Um, that was another choice we made to help with the robot thing. Was initially I had recorded them being very clean. Uh, there's two very clean recordings of just Topher and of just Bill. Um, but we had a backup mic, and the backup mic was so bad it uh, it, it, it fell over. It, the backup mic. Thankfully, we had the clean recordings. But what the backup mic showed me was. Um, there was a, an a, a, a large buzz in the room, like, just from reverb. Um, they sounded very tinny. And instead of getting rid of it, um, or using that recording, which was unbearable, I decided to keep, to have both tracks sort of, and not really eliminate the extra sound between the two of them, 
which adds this very robotic feeling, which lets you not forget it. But at the same time, audio quality-wise, I think most people don't notice, wouldn't notice the sound differences. I mean, it is enhanced at certain points to make them sound much, I mean, this pose. This is what it's for, is that these animation things, like both of them up like that is ridiculous. Um, I love this scene. It was cut. I didn't think I was going to use it. Um, tailgating. So let's talk about, while we're here now, um, the idea of, of this movie, which is that when people make sports movies normally, what they do, uh, the vacuum uh, truck here, this is not the truck that they're, they're driving. Um, this is just a, a big rig. This is a giant truck. No one would drive that. Um, but the, uh, the idea... The idea of this movie is that we make sports movies, or people make sports movies, and it never focuses on what really is sports. It tries to give you a unique view um, and, and tries to make it be that, uh, you know, you can't understand, um, you know, sports, are, sports are, 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 are so different than, I love that too. Like, some of these things, like, we can make them smoother, but we don't. I love that term. Sorry. So the idea is that sports are all about the people playing sports and that the only way to understand it is like, you know, the champions. Um, but my concept was let's leave, let's leave the, the champions and do what sports are to all of us, which, which is something like this, which is a day in sports. Um, <laughs> I, tr I truly, 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 and you can see here, there is a smoother way to do that turn like we've done it here. But keeping it a little jittery because of all of these digital elements um, was a choice that we made. It's smooth. It's not, you know, bad. Like, in the last scene, it's sort of... Uh, the cars are awkward. They're not good at turning. That was something to establish, too. But in part of that, it was like, we're going to see a very smooth scene with them. Let's establish that these cars aren't really easy to handle. Uh, um, so this, I love being able to see the interior of the car, this front view, which you'll see there's another same model of this car later in the movie, and we never really get to use the front view because I hated looking at the backs of these other characters' heads. But these characters, the backs of their heads are great. Um, they're, 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 they're fascinating the way they move. Soda cups. Okay, I love soda. I love movies. I love, uh, for sports for me, was uh, roller hockey. And for a while, roller rinks and the sport itself was a lot about his ears wiggle when he drinks. Um, was a lot about um, this vibe, this sort of party vibe. So it was actually uh, uh, um, hard to find competitive roller hockey leagues because roller hockey was taken as, uh, you know, RE, obviously you can tell from this, like, a hero of mine, clerks. Roller hockey had taken on this personality that, like, uh, the only thing that can be imagined if you weren't around at the time is sort of basketball culture now, where people are very into basketball, they're into hanging out at the court, they're into socializing at the court. That's the only, and that's, of course, in America. I don't know what it is in, uh, in other places. I mean, darts. Darts, darts across the world is sort of um, an easy one. This plane was a part of another movie. This plane was a part of the concept movie that proved all the things I could do with all of my uh, recent, including Hamsters of History, um, it was part of a concept movie to show that uh, it, uh, we could make this movie. Uh, wait, so cups, and, and they would, these cups, you know, were everywhere at roller hockey rinks, and to me sort of had concession stands became synonymous with, with roller hockey, which was a weird thing, the idea that, like, candy and pizza, that, you know, 
the roller rink, which was different than the roller hockey rink, started to become synonymous. And the, those cups I sort of associate with sports, and I love them. I love cups. I could look at soda cups all day. I used to keep a good deal of uh, uh, plastic soda cups, and I just ended up throwing them out. So the movie, you actually see parts of it later, the movie that that plane is from. Uh, there, are, there are planes, there, but they don't, people don't fly around. That is, a, that is a plane that someone has. It's the same as today. Um, this isn't the future, as sometimes people talk about. In, uh, you'll, you'll find through actors and people talking about it. It is a different realm. We don't use the word world because I don't even want to concede to anyone that it's on a planet. Uh, gravity is obviously here. It's normal gravity, but um, that was really important to me. There were a lot of word challenges. Um, so people do not fly around. There's no flying in the future. You'll see later, I think the vacuum system is actually a greater vision for the future. Uh, people who can afford planes can afford them. You can see how massive it is. This is a massive arena. Tag is very important to the people here. Um, and you can see it's about the size of a semi. Vision Quest Broadcasting Company is what it stands for. Um, we had lots of sequences with other shows from Vision Quest. We had a uh, creepier, like, uh, the we're watching you watch us, or we're watching what you're watching was a thing there. Um, and here, you see, for the first time, we're meeting the players. We're meeting the athletes. And this is how we all meet athletes, was the idea. Was I didn't want to be um, in their house. I didn't want a perspective on athletes that I don't know anything about, you know, which is what sort of movies give us. They give us like, oh, back in their childhood, which there was. Originally, this movie started as very, very much a traditional sports movie. But there became this theme of looking at sports from the actual perspective there that we see them from every day. Me, as someone who's obsessed with television, the sports had to be genuine. It had to be a genuine television experience, which this is. You're watching TV for the most part in another realm. You are experiencing life as a TV watcher. There is a, a, a meta message here, which is to say, you are watching this movie, and you're watching this game, but you're, you're also watching The Watcher, which is where Vision Quest came from. Um, watching what you're watching was the... Is, I know this sounds... This is getting, like, so out of hand with, with the double talk. It sounds like I'm creating a cult here. But essentially... I didn't put in the Vision Quest um, tagline, which is Vision Quest, Vision Quest Broadcasting Company, we're watching what you watch. Now, the reason is, is because I thought it would have um, Big Brother overtones, which was not what I wanted. Um, them watching what you watch is more a thing on you, that uh, you are watching this thing that can be watched in another universe, um, we're watching what you watch also sort of refers to how um, this is from a promotional thing. You can see the stadium's different. Um, uh, we're watching what you watch is, is, is more about the idea of m people now actually know what we're watching. Nielsen and things like that were only approximations. We can now see what we're watching. You can notice in this model that um, she has a little bit of a different sized head, which is purposeful for, 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 for this section of it. Um, it's It's... It, it, it looks friendlier. Um, it looks cuter too. But uh, it has a in there. You, if you want to go back and look at it, she has the fat system I invented. And in the end, I thought instead of having the muscles move and the fat move, um, it was more important to have uh, the look of it, the look of the body 
um, which cannot be maintained perfectly with the FAT system. The FAT system um, is a system I've made in uh, Hamsters of History, which is another movie I made, and this movie, um, but it doesn't get used in as many characters to um, move fat around. You're actually going to see the other character that was supposed to have fat in him in just a second. Um, but I wanted her to, it became apparent when you see the fight scenes, it became really important to have, um, to have this look. It became more important, lines became very important. You know, lines became everything. Lines became all we were doing. Um, lines, lines are very important here. And the choice to make it more anime than stop motion, the whole picture itself, was really important. Again, we haven't watched a second of Tag here, but if you watch sports, here's the second character um, who has a fat, he has a fat system in his bladder. Um, I actually don't even think we ended up using a scene with his stomach uh, because it sort of would, uh, I don't know, not lessen it later, but, but it would make you miss it. It is a, it's a very distinct thing when you see it in her arms and her breasts in the, in the last scene, uh, Aliska's. Um, it makes it very distinct. The helmet here! We should talk about that. Uh, that's not his head. They, they, t they say it at one point. That's not his head. And that's not his body. They explain these things. The, the skis on these things. Uh, um, there's an I, I guess we can talk about it uh, later on, too. But uh, now's a good time to, to start on it. The idea that sports can be equalized was very important to me. I'm a big fan of fencing and um, sporting taekwondo, so we can talk about that later, the idea of equalizing sports. And his pet is in attendance. This is the plot. That one frame. See this frame here? That's, this is the whole plot. You don't need to even watch this scene to understand the story of the movie, which is really important to it. Uh, real effects here, in case you're wondering. Sort of a thing that we've been hearing out to, that is a, a, a real filmed effect, which people seem to like, and it actually saves me a little bit of time, the magic that he's using here. Um, and I think it looks great. Gorillas, there's always gorillas. Stop motion, um, you should always have a gorilla in your movie at some point, either subliminally or not. Um, King Kong is the only reason people even know about stop motion. I love his run sequence there. Um, there was a lot of debate as to what pose he would hold. I even showed it to people. What pose he would, he would hold there? What would he do with the cane? Um, this is the turnbucklers, by the way, paying in the background. Um, uh, fans of run cycles in animation will notice that the run cycles don't make any sense. This is purposeful. Um, it's meant to just work. It's meant to be a cool motion that works as running for you. Um, Turnbucklers are an amazing band. I've worked with Freddie and the whole crew before. They've done my music for my past three films. Um, resume play, they play, they do whistle. Um, and in Hamsters of History, Freddie does the score. And of course, there's two songs featured from the Turnbucklers in here. Um, okay, so while, we're, while you're watching this stuff, you've, already, you've probably watched a lot of this. Um, there's a concept of sports here, which is that it doesn't matter what you do, uh, in, as if there's a point system, in other words, that the violence means nothing, that it's a waste of time to be really violent. Uh, you can, and sort of, that's a good moment to talk about it because she, Alicia, sort of shows that she's won and just takes the point, doesn't destroy him. Um, she just slowly puts her hand on it. Um, he is based off a skier, by the way, while we're talking, well, he's on screen, the modified. Um, 
so the point is, it doesn't matter how big they are, the idea that they're hitting each other or that you have magic, if the only rule of the game is hand must touch chest, you can actually create a, a, a fair game. Um, obviously, there's going to be sturdier and sturdier people, but there is a commentary here about MMA, about, you know, how I think over-violencing isn't the answer. It's sort of making things less violent, like fencing has done. Uh, to uh, There's a classic Harryhausen walk, by the way. It's a shout-out. And here's the end of the plot. There it is. That's the, that's the first part of the plot. That is Act 1. And the music transitions us into a very important part of the movie, which is coming home from tag. Okay, so let's finish this thought, though, about... Um, uh, uh, people, people in sports. So in fencing, because all you have to do is touch someone for the amateur levels until you reach a very, very high level of fencing, it's actually all even. Girls and guys can really fence together. Um, there is, there is um, the idea that you can just swing through a girl, but not, not really. If, if someone's, you know, the idea that a girl puts up a parry and you have to, to block it, um, and so you need that strength. Not really with swords, uh, especially with uh, metal swords, um, you can block as quick as you need to repost, uh, in other words, if this is making any sense to you, but until you get to the really high levels of fencing, which I quite fi frankly think are boring, um, for me the reason this isn't a fencing movie, this isn't a sword fighting movie, is because I think high level sword fighting, if you've ever watched it, is too fast to follow. Um, really great sword fighters. Um, and it's not what you think, where it's all these flourishes and hand motions. Um, it's actually that fencers are very explosively powered, and so watching it is mostly these um, micro-interactions where uh, they really just go at each other really quickly. There are very rarely very long bouts. Um, you, you'd be more interested to watch amateur fencing if that's what you're interested in. And to me, it had to be high level. And so being able to throw them around and stuff like that was good, but the idea was all you needed was the point. Um, we'd foreshadow Eliskia winning by showing how much restraint she has, by showing that she's in complete control. She never, you see the bull throw the modified across the stadium. This is sort of foreshadowing that he doesn't have control. You see, um, uh, but of course we then reinforce that because Frog has higher rating than Bull. And Frog is willing to mess with people. Frog is messing around with him. But he's not going to win this tournament because he's sort of a jerk. Um, which then brings us all the way back to the idea that sports shouldn't be violent. You know, there's a football theme going on here. Um, and a lot of conversations we cut out between people. Um, here's a return of these sort of minimal animation things with uh, me as the driver. Um, I this shot was a lot to put back in on the side of the head, and I really wanted it. And it gives sort of a fresher perspective. And um, uh, we can, we, okay, I'm going to finish because it's so long-winded about sports, but I just have to get it all out. Sport, there's a football theme here. Sports shouldn't be more violent. They should be less violent. Um, if there's things, if there's hard political lines I can take, it's that I am not against. I think there's a lot of people now... I've heard people say, like, there shouldn't be football, which is a crazy thing to say. But um, I think that uh, we're at the point where we can make sports safer. Um, I've certainly suggested to a lot of people putting padding on the outside of helmets, which is helpful for, you know, boxing. You see that working in boxing, that it's lessened it. 
but I am against a lot of things. I'm against knockouts in boxing. I think it's barbaric. I think that, and it doesn't show any sportsmanship. If you get a knockout in boxing, um, you win, which is insane because that's a genetic uh, predisposal to uh, like the size of your brain and the thickness of your cranium, which has nothing to do with the strength of a boxer. Um, and the fact is, is that fencing is always going to be the, 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 the model here. Fencing is safe. It's uh, until things break, and the fact is it's judged incredibly fairly. Now you see at the high levels a lot of video playback. A lot of the points are judged by video playback because of how fast they are, um, and they've been incorporating technology. You know, the Olympics uses a punch system um, for boxing, and you see them counting punches. Right now, for the most part, most, you know, um, Mayweather's, Mayweather's League and, and HBO, which are sort of even now you know, Showtime and HBO, there's still, there's been a lot of controversies lately. Um, boxing has still been, to this day, a, a subjective scoring system, like very old martial arts. And that doesn't really work unless you do a traditional martial arts tournament style, which is usually three points done by a judge, um, and the, the first to three points wins. Um, if you're going to do three-minute rounds, you cannot keep track. The fact is, is that fencing bouts are, I think, Oh, man, I don't even know what it is in the Olympic level. But it's like 15 points, usually, and that is incredibly... T it takes a judge. It takes a lot of training. It takes decisions. It takes, you know, every call... They treat it like every call is a, is a, a, a the call at home plate, you know. And if those people... If we use fencing as the highest of the highs, one of the oldest uh, sports other than wrestling, um, fighting sports, you have to recognize that they're doing it best. I see no way to fairly judge. Uh, uh, for a while, for example, uh, uh, control of the ring was a, was a scoring standard, the idea that who kind of looked like they were running the game, which, of course, would have eliminated Muhammad Ali because he, he would do his rope-a-dope style. So it's not, it's not an unsolvable problem. That's the thing that people want you to believe, is that it's an unsolvable problem. There is something there about money, and that's understandable. And all the at all the athletes know what's up. They know it's 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 dangerous, but it doesn't have to be. It really doesn't have to be. Um, there are really enjoyable sports without violence. All right, that took me a lot longer to finish than I thought, but it needed to be said because this is you're looking for the introspective thing anyway. If you're if you're coming to to the audio commentary, uh, obviously huge influence on me is home movies. This shot being held for this long is a direct reference to, not, if you don't know it, not, not home movies, home movies, the TV show. It was a big influence on me. And this scene goes on as a, as a scene with me as the dad, as the director in the front, because uh, that, that to me was, was really important. This became, because of how much I loved home movies, this became super important for me to, to, uh, to keep going. Uh, you essentially watch an episode of home movies in in this uh, uh, sequence here. Sorry, we just had a wire malfunction. Um, uh, they're really funny. They're really great. It is all improv. I wrote several things, uh, sequences that they could do. Um, I had suggestions. A lot of times, uh, uh, we'll probably get more into this with the actor stuff, but uh, I'll just tell you my process. 
I knew what was funny. I had planned responses. Sort of, I looked at this whole thing like parenting. I said, be a parent. Um, when we recorded, we sat like that. It was recorded in a car. Um, uh, and by the way, indie filmmakers, your car, if you own a car, it is really, you can make a lot of things out of it. Um, a little bit of sound dampening, a little bit of adjusting, you know, and a little bit, some blankets here and there. And your car is a mobile recording studio, especially it, it, not during the summertime when it gets really hot in there, or if you have a garage, that's another great solution. But um, the car became a, re the sound here is phenomenal, in my opinion, uh, with a very minimal amount of work going on here. This is cool here. Um, this is not a practical effect, but instead uh, the lights are moving on the, the, the car uh, by mixing different effects that were never meant to, to, to mix, that nobody would ever think to mix, and it gives a glow to lights. Uh, not a lot of people see fluttering of, of, of lights. Uh, it's like a phenomenon, the same with the hum, you know, if you can hear low or, or high-pitched things, but, but most lights do have a flicker to them, especially... Uh, like now, nowadays with LEDs and ink and, and, uh, and uh, nothing being uh, tungsten, it's all fluorescent bulbs and LEDs, and they all blink. In fact, um, when you make movies, uh, LED bulbs had to be like modified in a way so that they wouldn't blink. Initially, if you if you shot an LED uh, display, it would have a, a, a flutter to it because the way a lot of bulbs are high efficiency is using a film trick. Persistence of vision is this idea that we can't see faster than we see. Um, and we're sort of seeing uh, that that rule is, is a little bit changing, that the numbers are off, uh, especially with if you've seen The Hobbit, that was shot at a much higher film rate, and I find it incredibly unpleasant. But um, <laughs> uh, not The Hobbit. I find the higher film rate unpleasant. Um, a, so the idea of high-efficiency bulbs is that if you have a bulb that takes no startup time, that it, 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 there's no bonus to turning it off in a micro amount of time, you can, instead of having one consistent burn of a light, you can have it flutter. So uh, some people do see it, some people don't see it. Some bulbs, when they get older, you can really see the flickering. People talk about the flickering of lights. It isn't always that it's a dying bulb and it's flickering out. A lot of people can see this flickering in bulbs. And look up the hum if you don't know what it is. It's amazing. Um, this scene for me is the heart of the movie. Um, I spent a lot of time playing sports as a kid, being driven home late, late at night. Um, and this was, this was an important scene. To me, this was sports. I think to most people, this scene is sports. Um, one concept that I've been chasing for years was and podcast was sort of a realization to this, um, was why, through being funny, through being told I was funny, through being, you know, doing, doing stand-up and being funny and writing things and people going, that's funny, you know, and sort of actualizing this, the chase was always, why is it that in a locker room, everyone is funnier? And, you know, I right now I'm recording this in my home studio, and there's a poster of... Um, the, the Chiefs from Slapshot and, you know, Mystery Alaska and some of these great movies which, you know, illustrate the fact that uh, just a great, great close-up here of getting to see the details on this. Uh, I love it. I love the vacuum system. I love 
the whole thing. But um, the idea that um, why is the locker room the funniest? And the reason the locker room is the funniest was because you knew people. You really do get to know someone if you fight them. And, you know, everyone was relaxed. Everyone was, was you know, either from getting to exercise soon, you know, and getting to relieve that, relieve that stress, or having just exercise, locker rooms were funnier, there was an open vibe, everyone had to contribute, it was about being a team, it's, and to me, it personally, I know that there's a jocks versus nerds thing, and I'm sort of cross that line, I would never join an improv school, I would say the best way to learn how to be funny is to join a sports team, because if you have to include everyone in a conversation, you learn a lot more about conversation and how to have good conversations. And this was always the essence of the movie. The essence of the movie was, and sort of my life has been, why is the locker room funnier? How can we take the locker room and turn it into the funniest thing? Uh, before we end here, though, New Jersey. Uh, the, the whole background is based off of uh, New Jersey, where I uh, grow up to did <laughs> and, live, and live now. Um, the New Jersey skyline is super important to me. And space was important. Getting to know the city, getting to know what it looked like was a very important part of this movie. And I think it shows, like, I mean, I think it shows amazingly. Um, it was less important to have epic shots. It was less important to say what is, you know, for me, it was not to say, let's have that big landscape like you see at the beginning. Let's have lots of really just cool structures and, and lots of great city skylines because for most of us, that's not life. For most of us, I wanted the views that we get, the view of driving from the city, the view of driving, uh, you know, just looking at the side of the car, the side of the window, the dashboard, the back of your car, your rear view mirror. These were vistas that I thought were more important. And you're in such a strange world that these vistas are what we focus on. And truly, for me, I, I love anime. Um, and, I, and I've always thought that one of the sad parts of anime is the need for uh, minutes, you know. But one of the great things is that through that, there's been a sort of feed loop. And this is getting very into to, to my movie making here. Um, but so essentially, you know, an, an manga comes first. And manga are these small moments, just little moments in life. And so when that turns into comic books, the, the manga comic books you know today, I'm not saying manga either. Go to hell. Um, the manga, I'm from America. If I was speaking about a specific Japanese thing, I would say it, but I'm, I'm, I'm talking about my American experience with it, which is what's important here. Um, it, it, when you go to manga comic books, you see the introduction of superheroes very, very early, early on. Some really great stuff with, like, bon even, again, there, there's a mistake. We, it's in. It's in there purposefully. Um, uh, um, and it, it, is it a mistake when you look at that last shot, by the way? Or is it that we're just ungracefully transitioning? You know, that's the idea. Uh, and it's going back to anime, which is that there are always shortcuts people take. So w when it's turned from comic book into cartoon. So what happens is, is that a manga artist spends a lot of time focusing. And what you see in a lot of great mangas is a focus on the minutia. How does our, car our character take its coffee? Which is something amazing in, in manga. I know people are obsessed with it in manga and anime. Um, here's a 180 flip, and I don't care because it's a road. There's always 180 flips. Um, uh, so they will focus on something like, how does our what does it look like? Like, like, 
like for us, we can just as a great opening shot to this whole sequence is do, you know, a fully detailed thing of this cafe that our character works at. You see that in manga or their house or something like that. Um, and then when that turns into uh, cartoons that we see manga going into anime, um, and of course I'm not going to say anime the French way. Uh, for anime fans out there, you'll know how American I'm being. Um, when you go into anime, you then see a great shortcut, which is to say, well, they spent all this time detailing this great opening shot. Let's do that still shot, and we'll just show it for three or four seconds, and, and that's it. That's, that's the thing. That's, and maybe we'll, make the, we'll, we'll draw it again, and we'll make the cloud elements move, because we have to color it anyway. Great. Let's show the coffee shop. All we have to animate is the steam. Um, so for me, I became obsessed over the years with B-roll itself. Uh, and that goes back to this theme of showing the vistas you care about, showing the vistas you experience. I didn't want to be in a, lot, in, 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 you know, in a contract signing with an athlete. Uh, I wanted to be in a car with an athlete 20 years earlier, showing the experience you can understand. So uh, this feedback loop of caring about the minutia and where my favorite shots in some movies like, you know, In Ghost in a Shell, my favorite shot is by far uh, people smoking, people doing things that, that, that are just normal, mixing coffee, doing things like that. Those are shots you see in a lot of my movies because I think that's where most of us look. Um, one thing you should do, it's always entertaining, is to go to a place you've been before and think to look up and things to look up, and all of a sudden your memories of this place you haven't been in 20 years, you look up, you know, because you're trying to take everything in, and it's totally different. Um, okay, so the middle character here is not the, the, the character you're going to see later. That was an original plot point that you see she has a cat, and she has the same eyes, and she has everything. It is not the same character. Um, she has a different name in both this sketch and uh, later, um, although I don't think you actually learn her name. Um, it is not the same character, though we want you to believe it is, and though there was a point earlier where they were the same character, I got rid of it. And so the idea here is that you see brands. You see brands, you see styles. They're just sort of copies. It's like, you know, tucking in your shirt if you're, um, if you're uh, Wayne Gretzky. You, know? you, you see people copying athletes all the time, and these styles reemerge, and that there's... Um, I, I love that, that thing. I love that shot. Um, real road here, fake background, obviously. Um, roads of New Jersey. They are, um, this was great too. This is, okay, so this is a great moment. It's waiting till the end to reveal that I, that I, that the, the relationship here, that the driver is the dad, and then I'm the, just the idea of, again, you're the watcher. You don't really know what's happening in the movie because, it is so familiar to you that you assume already what's what's happening. Um, <laughs> I myself have a beard, and there's an issue in the movie where uh, uh, I loved it that y the characters keep talking about me, um, and they and I'm fine with that because I am very much ingrained in the movie. Um, do the eyes mean anything? Do the fact that the kid version of him has these deep eyes, and the adult version, was we kept it sort of blank and hollow. Uh, yes and no. There is, there, there is a physical transition. He might have even been modified uh, to help his eyes, or that they were, they were worse. Or, but uh, they just change at some point. 
Um, for me, the athletes are not the story. For me, this is a story about being someone who doesn't make it to the highest level of sports, which we all do, which is something, you know, I've trained for years learning how to make a movie like this, and I'm never going to be a top athlete, despite the fact that the only way I can make this movie is to posturize. It happens all the time in the movie. It's my favorite effect. I'll give it up to you. I'm never going to be a top athlete, and that's not what my fight is. My fight is to make this movie, and that was part of my education in doing that. There is a sad part of me that wants to be, you know, the greatest athlete ever, but that is not consequential to um, my my existence. But it is something you have to strive for. It's tough. You hear him at the end. You hear this kid that is eventually going to go pro, strive to athleticism. Here's another great element, something that we see all the time and we never really dive into. It's the modified's pet. This is his morning. So this is me playing the modified. Um, um, and it's him waking up in the morning feeding his pet. He's already been eliminated from the tournament we can see. And you can actually hear my pet having some sort of moment here where he wants a cameo. He's, he does bet. It's very appropriate here that we're in the studio and I have my pet, which is a ferret, with me here. And he is doing the exact thing that's happening on screen for a little bit of attention. And uh, we might have to deal with it eventually. Um, but to me, he's literally doing it. you got to stop, pal. Um, <laughs> you can hear. This is something he does. He's obviously annoyed about something I've done. Um, he, doesn't he doesn't have cage stress, which is, I think, what someone will complain about. But um, uh, that's, that's part of my life, and it's part of the life of, of, of these athletes what can you relate to? Do athletes have the same pets as you? And let's just, why don't you listen into the audio of, of the genuine audio, um, both here and in the studio, uh, and in this, as to me dealing with, with this, this issue, the same issue in the movie. All animals need a little bit of attention. Um, so, the point here is that, um, what can you relate to? And this is just genuine. This is me playing with him, even though he's being a pain in the ass right now. This is just me playing with him. This is me, uh, uh, you know, we have this sequence here that's sort of plot-driven that lets you see something you can relate to. But it was audio nobody else had. That was the idea here, was capturing audio no one else in the world would have, and that you couldn't capture or write. Um, again, this scene is supposed to be a hugging scene, and I got rid of it because I then was watching him one day, and he was just doing, both my pets were just doing postures that made no sense, uh, this is, and this added to it, the idea that instead of licking the character's face, he would lick the bowl, which is something pets do frequently. Uh, this plopping down is something that he just does. Uh, uh, it was the idea that there are cute moments that don't necessarily have to make narrative sense. Um, uh, uh, again, not animation for animation's sake, not, not, not video art, but genuine audio that nobody could really have that told a story and cute moments. Um, and you see the minimizing of it. I like when it's see-through. I like that we just render it black and white. I like that we're blowing out spots just to have it in there. Where, what do we need to animate to tell the story? And to me... The cuteness of this was what import was important. So is the shot cute? Look at it, the butt of the character. 
And that's it. That's all that was important. Same as having the audio in a locker room, same as creating situations where we can use this genuine improv thing to help create a narrative, we're doing that. You're in this world. This animal doesn't exist. You're living in this world and you're experiencing it in an interesting way. It's not just, you know, some weird watcher vacation. It is, it is really what's happening inside this world. And this is how I talk. Uh, garbage talk is a big element of my movies too. Baby talk. Um, um, baby talk. And, and, you know, it is important with all the minimal animation to show what we can do with, with real animation. Uh, it is one guy. It's one guy making a feature-length movie. But it carries. And that's what's really important is that the movie carries through. Um, and, and that's essential. That it doesn't, you don't get bored, which I don't think, which I don't, I think it's a really great movie. Um, again, reminding you, is it necessary to do this every time? No, but the stations do it. We are copying them. There was at one point I might have done, I'm obsessed with, uh, at ESPN I call it the letter factory. I don't watch a lot of sports, I watch very few sports, I like playing sports. Um, this was, this was a great scene. Um, another debate here. Do we make him a different color? There's an orange version of this character and a green version of this character and a gray version of this character. The question was, there's a scene later at a bar. You've seen the movie already, probably. Do we make him a different person? And in the end, I decided that he goes to a bar near the stadium. He, uh, this character, who we see later, um, it just leaves and goes somewhere else. He's not inside the stadium. He doesn't get to actually watch the game. Um. <laughs> uh, so there was a possibility that I would do a parody of uh, the ESPN Letter Factory, which if you ever watch ESPN, their their uh, insignia and logo and things like that are are this crazy place where they forge. I'm not going to be able to talk over these guys. Um, so the idea, <laughs> the idea that, uh, I, uh, I would do the letter factory was a possibility, but again, you know, it might've been too traditional of a joke. And again, here's the second, here's, there are only eight frames that describe the plot in this movie. Another turnbuckler song. Um, and I love this, just playing with anime running, uh, uh conventions, um, that's all the scene is, is, you know, you 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 believe the character is moving, which is important. But you also are being forced to say, why am why do I believe this motion, in other movies? And the point is that it works. Um, again, uh, with in terms of minimal animation, we choose what to spend my time doing. It is not easy for one guy to make a whole movie, but you're not, the fact is that the general public really isn't going to notice some of these things I've chosen to leave in, and if anything, it gives it a look that other th people are refusing to do. Could I go in and clean up some of these things? Yeah. But, I think that, as of now, again, something other people don't get to see. Most people don't have access to stop motion like this where there's just, you know, three passes on green screen rather than a four passes on green screen 
with, uh, you know, a little bit there. You know, when, when there's four passes, what you do is, like, cross out everything. Um, and obviously these frames are meant to be, uh, those round frames are meant to be like a video game uh, from, you know, uh, N64 or something of the like. Notice here that we don't, the mouth movements aren't as exaggerated. Notice here that what we do, this is one of the more animated sequences actually of the whole movie. There's more animation here than almost any other sequence. Um, there's a bartender because there was a fourth person supposed to be in the scene. Uh, the actor never showed up. Um, the bartender will never talk. But I love the bartender. The bartender is just everything. I could make a whole series of these bartenders. Uh, I don't think we get enough of her. And I love this whole scene. I love this bar. But to me, this was sports. You see the TV is off here. Um, it's, and it's, it's green, um, which is how I envisioned the future actually being. Um, that you probably um, will be have to put filters over your TV to take out uh, certain colors and things like that uh, for paying for ads or not paying for ads and things like that. That was a, a choice I made to keep it green. Um, and the lights here. You hear, you hear him asking, okay, so if you've listened to the bonus features, you hear him asking, can I ask about the subway? And that was a, a, when a, hopefully me and Bruce will do an audio commentary because Bruce had a big problem with this idea. Like, Bruce was very into the idea of what we were doing um, of, you know, that we couldn't talk about certain things. But he was very careful, too. He would always, he would always you know, ask questions like, well, you know, is, this, is there a subway on this planet? And the answer I would often give uh, to myself in terms of what I would ask in my head is, what, is, um, what are the new archetypes? What are the new uh, con constants? To me, I think America is now an archetype. I think that, that we don't need to use euphemisms anymore for America, for, for even for New York City, which I tried for them to not include, but cities do get included. But, you know, New York City, Paris... Um, these are, these are things that I think are now sort of universal archetypes. Paris is nothing like what the word Paris means um, based on... So um, the lights in these scenes, um, we had to change everything. You had to understand how everything worked, was how, was how a, lot of, a lot of this is. Um, the bar was meant, there were other scenes that were meant to be uh, here to explain the bar and the layout of stuff, so I guess I'll do it. Um, biochemistry, again, a mistake. Do we fix it? No. The point is, is that I'm, I'm cluing you in on it. It doesn't take you out of the narrative. Instead, why wouldn't we use those things to help keep you into the narrative? 
the idea is you notice that. Uh, that happened while rendering, and I didn't take it out. It happened because there was a, a loop. These things, instead of, instead of doing that, are helping you break the reality. You're not going to get any less lost in this world. The idea is to keep you engaged visually. What do we need to do minimally to keep you engaged? So the light, the, the, the bar, there was a long sequence where I explained the bar, and I didn't, I didn't really like it explaining what all these things are. But biochemistry becomes very important to the world. Um, vertical integration is a big thing here. The idea, <laughs> so loud talking about penis. Um, the idea that um, Newark was a big inspiration for the visual landscape of this, of this movie, and sort of uh, story-wise, uh, you know, the idea that Newark, Newark was sort of saved, thought they'd be saved in the, that whole area, thought they'd be saved by these sports arenas and things like that, and it never worked out, but it said vertical integration, the idea that um, every, everything is working uh, together um, in sequence, that the idea that the bar would manufacture its own alcohol and also light it using uh, bioluminescence and things like that, that they were emitting, those were gas that was emitting, just non, uh, you know, non-harmful gas. Uh, the roundhead remedials, uh, a great device in my opinion. <laughs> I did make it, but it's not used as much anymore. Um, in a lot of anime and in a lot of um, sci-fi, you know, a big influence on me is children's television and uh, especially, you know, uh, 80s, 80s sci-fi is like a big thing that, that we're into. Um, uh, I don't want to say any specifically, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to be forced to. You know, Logan's Run and Blade Runner and... Um, uh, 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 Robocop and Terminator, there are these in the 80s, and I don't, I don't want to say bad things about movies, so there are other movies that have this that I, I just don't want to talk about. But 2001 is another good example, not from the 80s. But um, there's, there's these explaining sequences, these long sequences in Terminator where, you know, John Carr, he's explaining the war, um, you know, for a long time. In... in in uh, obviously RoboCop, if you have any commercials you, in your movies, you're influenced by RoboCop. Um, so these were things; these were PSAs that used to be on TV that you don't see as much anymore, both in movies as a device and in uh, television. There used to be things where they would explain like how stuff works. PSAs used to be more like a Sesame Street sort of thing, where there were these informationals where they would sort of tell you how a system worked, where it was less about scaring you and trying to get you to do anything, but educating you. Um, there used to be, you know, things on TV that were just educational on, on some of these channels, and you don't see it anymore. It's, it's, it's sort of is a shame. And in movies, you don't see it anymore because people aren't celebrating it because, you know, young people might not get it. Um, when recycling and littering were a thing, you know, there has always been, you know, really uh, insidious, not, not insidious because they're doing something good, but insidious feeling, you know, these uh, ads that would, you know, are trying to get you to be emotional, the crying uh, Indian, which, you know, I, I'm not qualified to talk about, but 
there were also PSAs that explained what recycling is that were more like Sesame Street, and that was really important to fit some of the stuff into it. I would have liked to have had like just straight up commercials, but it it didn't it didn't work out that way, um, simply because I thought going into too conventional of jokes would ruin it for you. You know, you you wouldn't get things like this where I where essentially the only direction these guys have in the scene is to say, what you know, what what do you what do you eat at an arena, and then me going like. I don't even know what, what do people like at arenas, what's good about arenas. Um, you wouldn't get that kind of stuff in the audio if I had simply told them to just, you know, do jokes that I had written. If I had, if I had just told them to do jokes that were written, then you, 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 you'd end up with the same sort of jokes, which is why I don't feel, I had to sort of disengage with a lot of media when I started making the film, because I was like, if someone has an inkling of the same idea as something that's been mentioned here, um, you know, it's going to ruin my my idea that this is original. And that's the trap that I think a lot of young filmmakers get into. And the reason that they wait to have their own thing is because um, they. Uh, they they want to write the original joke. They have to write it in their style and their way, and they, you know that could take years and years and years. Instead, where my skill is the locker room. So let's put that to work now. But I had to disengage with a lot of like shows I normally like because I um, I thought if someone has the same idea as something we said, or if someone's making this you know a similar joke, like well, so I had to you know at the end here it was really just all I could work on was this. It's a fe it still is a feature length animated movie despite all of the the minimal animation, it still took a lot of work to get this to get this to where it needs to be, um, as is relevant later on. I mean, this is uh, <laughs> even even this. Um, he mentions uh, naming people later, I think, or in this this sequence um, it, with me as directing. I'm in that room. We had already shot the sequence where. Um, I'm talking to to my pet and asking if why talking about how Rebecca is the worst pet name, and he just comes upon that naturally. I I don't remember if it's coming up or if we passed it. I was a little distracted talking, but but um, so the voice coming out now is supposed to be coming out of the the, the skinny guy. They I do know somewhere where they're named TJ Todd, but again, it's not it's not important to the story. Um, this little thing they're in was supposed to move around. And I have a version of it where they're talking, and to add more animation, you know, this little pod they're in, which is obviously reminiscent of Frieza's pod, um, it's supposed to, it was going to move around, it was going to float around, and they would move out of the way of the graphics. It was so distracting. It became so nauseating. There was no pattern. I tried a figure eight. I tried in a circle. I tried side to side. I tried moving and then sort of staying in place, and then, you know, Starting across, it became so annoying to watch when there was no plan for it. And so there is the idea that minimal animation, which is important to know when we are in an era that requires minimal animation and what, you know, what can be done with just a little bit of, of video, um, it is important to note that one more level of animation would have been awful. That I, we are, it is not that we, I'm saying I cannot do more animation. Or that I cannot... Um, 
you know, add more interesting elements to it. It's what needs to be done in order to make this a, a, a good sequence. Um, and we, I watched these scenes over and over again. There was, there is, like I said, there are no mistakes. We didn't miss anything. I, I can probably name for you all the times where someone will say, is that a mistake? Is there, is there something that's supposed to happen more there? But, in, but instead we don't do anything, you know? Uh, uh, we're thinking about the user experience. We're thinking about the viewer watching it. How can we make this a great movie that you can sit down and watch and enjoy and, and, and listen to? It's, it's good radio. In this one, you can particularly hear the tinny qualities. And of course, this is an interesting element because they don't know they're robots. They don't, they don't know this element of the story, this choking on the peanut thing. It's just such funny audio. Would, would we want to animate it? Again, here's the other frame that you need to understand it. Um, as is mentioned in the beginning, the space does get smaller and different. We accomplish that here by something that also people normally don't get to see, which is a black background. This is what it looks like when it's just alphaed out. And to me, we don't, we're not going to get to see the outside space. The round takes so quickly that uh, Frog eliminates the cat, and, and then here's the best scene of the fucking movie. <laughs> in the stands. Another thing that people can relate to is that we're in the stands. Um, this scene, you hear there's a bonus footage in, in, uh, 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 that you can look up where, look, the pop disappears. That's not important to us. It's engaging you. It's making you look for stuff visually because what this is meant to do is make you look for things and watch the movie. It's meant to just look at stuff. It's meant to see details, which we normally don't get to look at in these characters. Um, <laughs> the butts on them make me laugh every time. I, and that's important to me, too, is that I, I enjoy the movie. I do, I do genuinely think it's something that needs to be there. Um, <laughs> these characters in this scene are ridiculous. It is my favorite scene in the movie. And the more conventional of uh, sketches. Uh, we're rewarding you for becoming, for, you know, just chilling out. I'm not a very cool guy, normally. You can see here, another error that we kept in, not tracking the mouth in. Um, uh, uh, we're, we're, I'm not a chill guy in normal life. I'm very up and antsy and, and need, need something to do. I don't ever relax. I don't go to the beach. But in movie form, I have spent so much time in movies that I can be relaxed. And this is me being relaxed and me telling you, chill out. Like, it will happen. You will watch what's, what's, what's going to happen. Classic anime lines. This was very important to get in. Uh, the last day, this, this whole, this line effect, which was hard to replicate in a believable way into a, a CGI thing, it was the last check on the list of anime things I wanted to have in the, in the, the, the series. Everything else is in it. There are drawn-in veins, there are um, uh, uh, sweat lines, there are, there are action lines, everything else was in it, you know, uh, minimal moving hands, minimal moving mouths, uh, there, there was everything. Um, except for the lines, and we, I went back in and added that. 
this scene is rewarding you. This is like this is this is the most I would animate in this movie. Not because I couldn't, but because you know this is the most that is required. This scene is very uh, in depth and animated, um, and you get to meet these different strange characters. Um, Uh, we get to see a variety of styles here too. Um, the CGI, which I'd love, I could do a whole thing with just these these little these little guys. But the the thinking was, how can we incorporate all these these styles in a way that would um, <laughs> where we only needed to animate when it was funny and really, I mean, even that shot is is is. <laughs> These are real. These are very conventional jokes to cut on them talking about these weirdos and showing them. I wanted to avoid that, and that's what going in and animating more would have created. Still, it is all animated by one guy. Only one guy has ever touched it. But at the same time, uh, uh, I don't think it's lacking. I don't know why I'm defending the movie, but I'm, I'm trying to explain. You know, you, you look at the amazing world of Gumball where there's a whole team sort of also trying to create one solid world, but that's not what our concept is here. It's to create uh, a world, <laughs> a small one, is to create a world where um, you're, you believe it, you're in it, but it's, but it's also the least it needs to be so that A, we can finish it, and that B, we can get the most out of it. Um, which is really important to me. They brought opinions to the scene that I didn't think would come out. And again, some of this stuff I want to save for talking to the actors, but there were weird ways they took this scene I knew they would take, and there were weird ways that I didn't know they would take it. Um, this is another anime concept, the dark room, that is different from before when you saw them in that, the idea that in important moments sort of things darken away, um, which I think comes mostly from like a... I don't know. I would guess uh, no or Kabuki, but I mean, uh, uh, it, it comes up all the time. This 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 sequence here, where there's a secret meeting in the dark with him in the foreground, and it's darkened in the back and out of focus. Um, and this was based on a personal experience. Um, I think kids are great. I am really against hating kids. Um, I don't think that's bold of me to say, but I think that there's a lot of people that uh, aren't called on it. Um, and I had an experience where, uh, the week of doing it, where I went into a store and I saw someone. I, I didn't, the fact is I would have called the police. I, I, I saw what I was 80% certain was someone hitting their child, and I came around the corner and tried to help and ended up getting my head bitten off for it. So this was this was my way of answering people was, if you really believe in it, do it in public and ask people for help. The idea is I wouldn't hesitate to ask someone to watch my kid while I went to the bathroom. Um, you know, would you hesitate to ask someone to hit your kid? That's the real, that's the real, I mean, it's obviously I don't need to hammer it home for anyone watching the movie, but it is a, a, an interesting concept was that if you believe in it as parenting, would you ask someone to do it for you? So, um, <laughs> it made for a great scene. It's it's a very comedic. I think it's I think it's other than earlier when I said I would never kill anyone. I actually think it's one of the bolder scenes of the movie. I actually think if there's any two messages of the movie, it's that scene, and then this one. Oh, the spelling. Who spells through truck wrong? The tavern does. 
<laughs> through truck will be spelled differently here. Um, who spells it wrong? The tavern gets it wrong. The sign maker gets it wrong. We have it right in the credits. So it's <laughs> the, 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 the idea here is that it's, it's not an error. A, error Again, it's making you wonder, like making you look and engage and think in a way that is slightly different than the way you watch a normal movie, and that is to say, why is it spelled differently in two places? The sign maker gets it wrong. The sign maker, who, who, who they buy it from, has the wrong spelling, which happens all the time. Yet in movies, it's always spelled right. Or in movies, it's a point of order. Instead, it's just here. It's spelled wrong in the mirror behind them, and it's spelled wrong here. It's the same art. Um, it's the same sign maker. Um, you saw in the background there, too, um, the movie Chips, which is what we were talking about before, which is now, as after I made it, even though it was a full concept for a movie, to make this concept movie, uh, Chips is playing in the background in the, t in the bar. Um, um, and uh, this scene is, is this slow uh, scene you're going to see here. The idea of watching something from outside of a bar is inspired, um, obviously, by Cheers. But uh, more importantly, the idea of hanging out in a bar, even though Cheers tries to say, like, look at all the things that are going on, I sort of believe that that's BS, that plot is all around us, um, and you're going to get this full landscape in a second. But, uh, and that sort of says something about the context of, of the bar. But the, the really brilliant thing about Cheers that, that people don't talk about is not the characters, which are great. You know, the writing is amazing. But, you know, um, one of the Burroughs brothers that directs a lot of them, they sort of split it, but, but one of the Burroughs brothers that directs a lot of them, he sort of revolutionized in a lot of ways, in my opinion, the way that uh, studio sh scenes were directed, and you know, uh, camera, camera, three camera setups in studios were directed. And one thing he did that I loved that we do in this movie a lot is cut to the place that isn't involved, cut, cut to where we we don't care, cut, cut to where nothing is happening. And the idea is that this scene visually is the same on the inside of the bar as an outside of the bar. If we never add perspective, you understand. We're always inside the bar. We're always listening to them inside the bar. So there you go. Um, this scene doesn't change even as we zoom out. Visually, information-wise, we can watch them do stuff. We can watch them, you know, have their drinks and do stuff like that. But now we're getting a perspective of the city as to where the bar is. You can see there's a crane next to the bar. That's something, part of the inter vertical integration. There's a lot of cranes uh, in, the, in the city. Um, uh, and is it a city is another question. Is it a city? Is it um, a, uh, what's, what's the other word for it? A megapolis, uh, which is like megaopolis, which is like the, the idea that a whole planet that is a city. Uh, if it isn't at this point, it will be eventually because the, the systems that you see, you see water towers and, and, and smokestacks above buildings everywhere. Uh, and yet there's a bar right there. This is sort of based off of Newark. Instead of living side by side with massive factories, you would manufacture your own stuff in-house. Vertical integration was, was, was key to the whole movie. Isn't that right, friend? We're here with Stake the Ferret doing the audio commentary because he needs a smushing. You were an inspiration. Is that why you were so angry about before when I wasn't playing with you? People, I don't want people on the audio commentary to think that all you do is act and then you go away in your little acting cage. It would be easier to keep actors in cages, but you're in there because you are, will hurt yourself if you're out on your own. But he plays around, he runs around, but not, 
Not right now, and now he wants to be near me. Can I have some kisses on camera? Maybe we can hear them? No, you're so angry at me because I didn't play with you. No? Oh, come on. Thank you. This, this other scene, this was a mic test. Again, initially thought to be a mic test. It was what was, what was audio that would never happen again. Um, I thought this was an icebreaker. I thought people would like me speaking about it, and it works in character. How can you create narrative naturally? How can you create, is this narrative different than a narrative that you're used to? You know, people have trained you how to watch TV. That's, that's a real fact, is that you've been trained on how to watch television. You've been trained to, to uh, um, Hold on, steak was being cute. I got distracted. The point is, is that you're trained to watch movies. You, 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 what you think is a good plot is actually, you know, is it a plot? You've been trained to watch movies, which are really radio stories for the most part. It's just radio stories. But the idea that movies cannot be about plot that is happening around us, that this is in plot, that your life is in plot, that your life isn't an exciting venture because you hang out at a bar and, and, and look at all the crazy things around you and you've been watching sports for the day. That was your day. That was your life. And that was important. And... To me, these scenes were really important in establishing that violence could be helpful, violence could be fun, violence didn't have to be, violence didn't have to be uh, violent in a real way. That violence could be something that was in a movie, and you know, this is a movie where a lot of people get thrown around and nobody gets killed and nobody's angry at each other. Again, forty-two appearing again, um, just reminding you about it with uh, this last scene, and uh, the actress in the last scene playing. The orange woman is the singer here. Um, uh, and this is just a very... What we're doing here is really establishing what I, what I would want for the future of stop motion and sort of the style we've developed here, which is using, using video elements and real elements to create something between the two. Um, this scene even though it's much more complicated, again, the skidding comes back, uh, is significantly easier than a lot of other stop-motion scenes because you can do anything. And it is my intention to make more movies with this style. Um, there is an important narrative going on here about stop-motion itself. How does the movie start? The movie starts explaining the rules of tag, right, for narration, but then look at the fights themselves. The fights are symbolic. We start with some very, very traditional animation. You know, we're, we're transitioning you right out of it. We're, we've got a lot of stop motion, and then we have a lot of um, uh, uh, untraditional elements. But it's very traditional stop motion right at the beginning. And then we transition to sort of these blur frames and other things like that happening in the, in the second fight, you know, just, just playing with anime, playing with the way we draw things, playing with the background and things like that into then using some of those of this type of style, which is closer to paper animation in reality as to how it's done, but um, of stop motion. And then in the end, we have this, this full, none of this is done in stop motion. There's not a single real stop motion scene in this last part because it looks great, this classic uh, shot. Again, using these other, uh, there's the veins. It has to happen. <laughs> it had to happen. Um, 
And then the ending of the movie is thematic. It's going to end very abruptly, so I won't be able to do it, but she wins through going through sports, and there's a sort of the idea of winning because of going through sports. And that's it. That's this frame. Again, not a mistake. The four is over the three. And then our amazing cast and crew. And you, little smushins, has been so bad during this whole filming. I thought you could hang out and not be stupid, but you're a little ferret boy, and you were so bad. Thank you all for listening to the bonus commentary. Hope you liked it. In the meantime, I'm going to smack your little face because it's so cute. I'm not going to smack. I'm going to kiss it.